Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome to a very special episode of the Financial Coaches Podcast. So this is our Ask Us Anything holiday special. <laughs> Emily, you've got a bunch of questions for us, and we've got a bunch of banter to get to. What we are doing today is we're just answering a bunch of questions that people have shared that they want to have us answer. Are well, we ready for question number one? Let's go. Ready? What is behind question number one? Behind question number one, we're going to start at the very beginning of the coach-client relationship. Somebody says, hey, I'm interested, and then they ghost you. How often do you, how do you follow up with somebody? How often do you follow up with somebody to use the direct quote from when this question was asked? How do you be pleasantly persistent, but not annoying? Mm. Who wants to go first? I mean, I'll go first, but. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. I'm still finishing chewing. Okay. (laughs) So the important thing here is you don't want to just leave this up to your feelings. This is one of the things that we have a structure for in launch, or at least we have some training around in launch and grow. There's going to be, it's going to be a structured, already set up process. And we do that because that structured, already set up process is important, right? We do that for FCN members because it's important. And so you want to make sure that you have a structured, already set up process that says, I'm going to follow up on these dates or this many days after the meeting happens. And the follow-up should be the same regardless. What we don't want to do, we don't want to have it where someone says, oh, you know what, I'm I'm not sure, but let me think about it. And so you follow up the next day to that person with additional information. And then the other person says, you know, I'm really interested. That's great. Let me, let me talk to my spouse and then I'll get back to you tomorrow. And you don't follow up with that person for a week because you don't have a structured process and you feel like one person I should follow up with and one person I shouldn't. So that that structured process is going to be important. Now, how often and when, it really depends on how you set up that process. If you're going to do ones soon, and I recommend you do one soon, meaning within 24 to 48 hours, that should not be a, hey, have you made a decision follow-up? That should be a, hey, here's some additional information to help you make your decision follow-up. Just to jump in, why what you just said and not like a, hey, have you made a decision yet? Or like the, hey, just checking in. Yeah. No. So there's a, a multitude of reasons. One, you look desperate. Two, it's a little bit presumptuous that whatever thing that they needed to discuss 
actually made it into their dinner conversation that night. But most importantly, is when you have a follow-up that says, hey, I want you to make a decision. If you are not ready to make a decision, you immediately start rejecting the decision, right? So if I'm thinking about buying a car, but I'm not sure whether I want to buy that car or not, if a high-pressured tactic, if someone says, oh, you need to make the decision now, my answer is going to be no, right? That's my natural response. And it's because I'm not ready to make a commitment. And as a result, the only way I can avoid making a commitment is to say no. And it's not to say that I would have said no if I had been given more time. Or do I get commitment phobia? So that resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I was already leaning toward it, that might have been the push that I needed. But it's unlikely that they're going to be leaning toward it the next day. Yeah. Right. It's much more likely that they're much more on the fence. Right? Yeah. And, and structure is really helpful, too, because I know from my own experience, when I was leaving it up to chance or just when I felt like it, oftentimes I wouldn't necessarily feel like it. Or I would be able to talk myself out of sending it that day. I might be like, oh, well, I don't want to be annoying, so I won't send it today. I'll, I'll, I'll send it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, and I'm like, well, I kind of feel worthless today. So maybe I'll send it the next day because, you know, and then so it's just I personally right. found that when I was doing it that way, is it the whims of my emotions or how I felt? Not necessarily for any logical reason. And I'm going to read your mind. Oh, Man, you, you gained that skill in the meantime? Yes, I did. did. You did. Actually... If you were at launch office hours yesterday, he did uh, two or three times. It was quite yeah. impressive. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Josh. That has to be pretty annoying for Emily and Emily. I won't speak for them, but that's got to be pretty annoying. Anyway, go ahead. Read my it's, mind. It's, um, yeah. Your excuse has changed over time. What? And at some point, the excuse became, oh, well, it's been two months since I had the conversation with them, so I can't follow up. <laughs> See, he read my mind. Because yeah. I was going to say, tomorrow me. becomes tomorrow becomes a week later, and then it's just super awkward. It's like, like oh, I'm just embarrassed gets, now. <laughs> like yeah. when somebody gets your name wrong and you don't correct them the first time. <laughs> one of my favorite podcasters, the it's a couple, it's a married couple, and he, in one of his apartments, somebody got his name wrong, and he lived in that apartment for 10 years. And he never corrected this lady because she got his name wrong the first time. And then it was just too awkward yeah. because yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. I've been yeah. playing a lot of pickleball recently. And I can't tell you how many people in pickleball think my name is either Gary or Barrett. Just because I'm like at a certain point. It's like, yeah, it's close enough. And now I can't tell you. It's past that point of no return. So <laughs> needless to say, Josh can read minds. It's semi-annoying, but yeah. you're right. And by the way, I've done that. And it's not even about wanting to put off the conversation. It was about, I got busy and totally forgot. Yep. And so for those of you who are thinking, well, I wouldn't put off the conversation, you get busy, life comes up. And so that structure becomes really, really important to help you keep on track and help you not lose those opportunities. The other thing is just don't be pushy with it. Ask questions, offer information. You know, is there anything else that you would need to help you make your decision, right? Those are all non-pushy ways of pushing it forward. 
but you also have to have a point where you say, I'm not following up anymore, right? My time is not worth the follow-up. Yep. Do and I've noticed. Those... Go ahead, Emily. I'll say I've noticed because I'm building grow with, with Josh and we're each email is, is different. It's not mm-hmm. just a copy and paste of the old email. It's the, each email has its own point, its own specific things that it talks about. And I really like that. Yeah. Steven, who's the one who asked the question is wondering if any of us know off the top of our head, no pop quiz time, which launch week has this fifth part? Yes. Off the top of my head, I'm going to take a guess, but I will tell you, Steven, it's toward the end in, in launch. I know you're a launch member and I think you're at week four. I believe that it's week like 10 ish. I was going to say nine, but I think you might be yeah. right. And Garrett may, may be correct. I'll, I'll defer to the former expert, but it's, it's the week that's activity-based selling. So that, that's the week that you're going to look at that. It'll talk through how often to do it, what you want to think through with regard to the schedule and how many you're going to do what the earlier ones will look like and what the lit versus what the later ones will look like. So launch will give you the, the structure for putting it together with examples from Emily and Garrett. And then the, and then grow is actually going to be all built into the system. So. Can we move okay. on to the next activity based yes, selling is week 14, by the way. Oh, okay. There we go. So wing and a miss. I, I think it, I think it was earlier before it got reorganized. Relatively yeah, recently. it was. I think so. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm not sure how recently in my mind recently could be like a year ago. Cause I don't think we've reorganized since Emily and I came on. And time isn't real so. anymore it's not. It's since not. 2020. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so moving on to the next question, because it ties in. Mm-hmm. What's the best workflow software for beginners to automate tracking the pipeline, sending emails and forms, maybe text? Is that a CRM? Is that Zapier? I don't even know where to start. And that was not my comment, but I totally agree with the sentiment there because there should be a way to automate, but what is it? So the I'll, I'll give what we recommend. And then Garrett, you can talk about your experience as you kind of went through your different stages. Sure. The, the best software is going to be a CRM and it's going to be a well-structured built CRM with automated workflows, et cetera, et cetera. The I use, we're, we're creating it in Dubsado for Grow. I use uh, Wealthbox for mine. That's the one that I use in my business. And it's not that one is better than the other or one's the one you should use. It's based on exactly what we're trying to accomplish, those are the right ones for it. However, a CRM is probably overkill if you have less than five clients, right? Less than 10 clients. So in launch, so Grow, we're using Dubsado. That'll be the CRM system that's the underlying. And then we build on top of that. In launch, we just give an Excel spreadsheet that is structured specifically to be a tracking where your people are. That works great as long as you have less than five to 10 clients, right? It starts to get really problematic as you have more than that. And so it depends on where you are in your business about what would probably be the best thing for you. You do want to transition 
from a Excel based one to a true CRM based one with the full build out. So the C no CRM is going to give you everything when you purchase it. There's a lot of work that you have to do to actually get it done, get it systematized and usable. But you want to do that transition to a CRM much earlier than you need to because there's going to be a lot of work in building that out. In the beginning, you won't really know what you're building out, right? And so that's going to be a, you know, th there's different solutions that make sense for different times of your business, but you want to upgrade to the next level solution far before you need it. Garrett, I'm going to, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about what you used and then Emily, I want to ask you questions about the CRM stuff since you're deep in it and building it out and grow. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So quickly, I, gosh, way back in the day, use like contactually, which isn't, I mean, it kind of, it is a CRM, but it wasn't really what I needed. I just kind of heard of it from someone and then it didn't do, ultimately I moved away from that and then was just kind of keeping it all in my head for a while which I will second what Josh says, it's not a very good way of doing it. Especially, you know, this was year maybe three or four in my business. I think around that time, it was like 25 to 30 clients at any given time. And I was like, this is just, this is way too much. And so, or maybe not at any given time. Anyway, I'll have to go look at my numbers for that. But it was, it was way too many to keep in my head. And so then ultimately I signed up for Dubsado and it took me a while to figure out how to set up Dubsado in a way that worked for me. But what was really helpful about Dubsado and any C or most CRMs, I should say, is just being able to have workflows, right? So, okay, a new client signs up, then like X, Y, and Z is going to happen automatically. And it really takes the, the emotional side out of it, the guessing when to do it out of it. And then it, Dubsado also allowed me to see where clients are in the pipeline or prospects are in the pipeline. Uh, so I could say, oh, you know, I'm just kind of curious where, where am I with X client? It's like, oh, we're in meeting three and these emails have been sent out and, you know, I can see what they've accessed in their client portal. So it's just really nice for me, especially because like I'm someone who, if it's not down on paper somewhere or in a software system, I'm not going to remember it. And I was really letting stuff fall through the cracks before having a, a system. So it just made it much easier for me to not have to wonder where I was at with everyone or double check, you know, look at Google Drive, then these other notes and looking for different places to try to remember. It was just like, okay, here's where this particular client's at. Here's where this prospect is at. Have I sent them the onboarding docs? Have they paid X, Y, Z? You know, and being able to see it all in one place was really, really helpful. And I want to have you answer a follow-up question, which is not really a follow-up question, but something that I know that I think is important. When you say it took you a while to build, mm -hmm. you hired a consultant to help you with that. Yeah, because it took me a while. <laughs> At first, it took me a while to build it because I didn't do jack with it. Right. And then I sat with maybe a year and I was like, oh, I should probably like not just pay for this thing and not use it. So yeah, I did hire a consultant to help me build out the emails to help me build out like in Dubsado, you can create proposals to help me build out the workflow and workflow timings, help me build out different forms. So yeah, it was not me that did it on my own. I recognized it's been yeah, at least over a year. I'm not really doing anything with it. I need 
outside help. So I paid someone to do that for me or to help me do it and hold my hand. And that's my clever transition to Emily because <laughs> we are we have hired the same consultant combining with Emily's expertise in project management for the process in Grow. And my question to Emily is on a scale of one to 10, one being you can totally do this on your own, <laughs> 10 being you're crazy for trying to do this on your own and thinking it's going to work well. Where do you where do you think? 99.999% of coaches are on that scale. Well, if they're, if they wait as most people do until they're overwhelmed and they say, okay, I need to do something now. They're already so overwhelmed that it's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would truly feel that way. I mean, I'm overwhelmed and I'm spending a lot of time on it and it's still, it's still a lot. I mean, just, just mapping out the details of what the process looks like. And well, what if this, then what that, takes a lot of time and energy and thought. And it really helps to have somebody who's done it before because they help think of things that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And she, I mean, she's helped us a ton with even things that Josh didn't think of and he has a CRM in place. So, yeah. Yeah. And Shantae asked, does Dovzato offer consultants to help? The answer is yes, but not what we're talking about, right? They will help you with, here's how to do this, here's the buttons to push in the software. They're not going to help with doing automations, with creating out automations with outside software. They're not going to help with putting together the proper flow of the process. It's literally more of a, I'll give you a demo where you can ask questions type thing. Yeah, I went through the training way back in, gosh, I think it was February because I, just to see what is the software like and am I going to be, if I'm going to be using this one, I'll learn how to do it. And, and it was more like a, this is how you use the software, not this is how you apply the software to your business. And so it, there was still the work. They did have some great tools. So I definitely, if you're going to do it on your own, you, I would recommend going through their training because they'll kind of walk you through like how to use the software. And then here's some tools to help you build that out. But then it's still up to you to go take that and put it into the software and, and kind of know how the software works, which is the tricky part. So being able to know that, okay, well, if I add, like we were, to, we added a, I don't know, and there's, a, there's triggers and there's certain things you can use to trigger the next step, but there were things that we wouldn't have thought of because we hadn't been using the software yet. So you, you can learn the hard way for sure, but I definitely going through it, how many months later now, I definitely would, would hire somebody to help me. Yeah. And you know, just to give some perspective in the financial planning world, Salesforce is a, not in the financial plan, just across the board, is a very commonly used CRM software for companies. Salesforce is the software. And then layered on top of it is systems that customize the software for use in different industries and businesses. Those systems that sit on top of it run range from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars that layer on top of it. And now obviously your needs are not going to be what a large company's needs are going to be, but realize that 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 companies see a lot of value in doing that. Accelerate is a Salesforce overlay that goes on top for financial advisors. And I think it's like $10,000 a year, $15,000 a year for it. So it, Getting access to the software doesn't mean it's going to do what you're going to need it to do. And it doesn't mean that you're utilize, you're going to be able to utilize the full benefit in your business, just gaining access to it. 
And for me, just what I found the most helpful was freeing up the time to both like do what's more important, like finding new clients and working with existing clients and also do spend more time doing what I enjoyed, which was like working with clients or having more free time. So I think that's on the other side of it too, is just, oh, it allowed me to do more of what I enjoyed, be more profitable and also have more free time to use, whether it was doing stuff outside my business or in, in my business. Emily, next. All right. Going in a different direction. And this may contain a surprising answer for Garrett, because I don't know how much Josh has been telling him about what's going on behind the scenes of what sort of plots we're coming up Uh-oh. with. Uh-oh. Uh, so what coaching models are you seeing working the best? Monthly fee, fee by package, shorter packages, longer commitments. What's most effective? So... We'll let Barrett answer it first. Oh, wow. Well, I'll fi- I have to find where he is first. I'm Gary. Oh, oh Gary. Sorry, Gary. It's, it, it's all good. I mean, in my experience, it de- I can keep it kind of short. It depends on who your ideal client is and what they need. Because if, let's say, your ideal client really just needed a quick touch-up or someone to, let's say they were fairly proficient in doing, putting together uh, a plan and a budget and, but they just are the type that really wants to make sure that they get things right. And they just want someone to review what they had put together. You know, it may not be a very sustainable business model, but if they might be the type of people that just want one meeting to go over what they put together and then, you know, they, it wouldn't make sense for that type of client to have a six month ongoing or like a six month program with ongoing after that. So it really is important to get clear where your client's at, what do they need, and making sure that both like you build the way that you structure the program in terms of duration around that, and then also pricing it accordingly, or not accordingly, but like the way that you charge for your services being appropriate for that too. And I know in launch, we had a video where Josh was coaching me on that, such as, you know, do I charge everything up front or half up front, then halfway through the other half, or is it kind of proportional to the amount of work that I do in the beginning? And so there, that's also something to, to be aware of is the way that you charge for it. Yeah. Well. yeah the, the, I, I'll just say, ditto. right. It's going to depend on the needs of your client, and what you're, what you're doing, right. The, and one of the dangers that we see a lot of is very prescriptive recommendations in areas where prescriptive is not appropriate. This would be one of those areas where people will say, oh, you should have a three-month program or, oh, you should have a six-month program or you should have a three-month and a six-month program, right? Mm -hmm. That is highly, highly unlikely to be right for your business. And it has nothing to do with three-month is bad or six-month is bad. It's that that's two numbers out of an infinite number of numbers. And so just statistically, it's unlikely to be correct, (laughs) right? I did my first one for 88 days just to be, you know, contrarian a little bit. Very Josh Escalante Troche of me. So you did 88 because that is the speed that you had to get up to and back to the future (laughs) 
right? <laughs> and 88, the reason why that was a speed was because when you turned it sideways, it's a symbol for the infinity sign, the Amobius strip. Yeah. And that's where I'm taking my clients just to infinity and <laughs> right. beyond. Wow. And beyond. Yeah, it's really quick that you diagnosed yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. yeah and I was going to come in here with but most of those infinite numbers are highly unlikely to be the amount of time because I was going to come in with, yeah, you should have a 6 million day. And I'm like, but 6 million days is still a lot of days. A lot of days. days. The, so it, the, the more important thing is you need to think about when you think about your program from a very high level, you want to think about what are the major milestones that I need my clients to go through and how long is it going to take generally for each of those milestones? If you happen to have three major milestones that you want your clients to accomplish, and each of them happens to be one month, it's going to take in order to get it done, right? Then yes, you have a three-month program. If you have three major milestones and two of them are going to take two months and one of them is going to take one month, well, then you have a five-month program, right? So it really comes down to that idea of what is the what are, what are the needs what are the big milestones that need to be accomplished and how long does each one take right now obviously there's a lot more that can be said about this not something we can do in an ama you know there's two weeks on this in launch phase one and there's six months on it in launch phase. no nine months on it in launch phase two so realize that if you're frustrated by that answer of like, well, that doesn't really give me a very strong direction, totally understand that you're frustrated by that answer because it's we're not going to be able to give a super satisfying answer in a two minute response format. <laughs> so my, our apologies. Than, a little more than two minutes. Yeah. But, Lisa. Well, then the, the follow Lisa. up to that is that we are, and this is what I don't know if Garrett knows or not, but. We are working on at some point. Soon. At some point. Soon. Yeah. We'll just say soon. Because that's nice and vague. Putting together like a survey so we can actually get data on financial coaches. How long are programs? What do people cover in meetings? How much do you charge? How do you all the all the things? Yeah. So nice. eventually. Yeah. So we'll make some of that data available to people. And we're we're using it selfishly to help us build out what training models should look like for money coach. Yep. So that's a that's a medium term. Medium term yeah. goal. The survey. The survey will yeah. come out relatively the survey will be soon. In the, Short term? Early in the new year, I would say. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd say January, but you know, I don't know what's <laughs> gonna happen in January. So early in the new year. Soon. Yeah. We'll circle back around to soon. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.